All right, once again, welcome to our Thursday night Shi'or special class, not on the Parashah Shavua, because this week we are celebrating Rosh Hashanah. Tonight is Erev Rosh Hashanah. Tonight's Shi'or is sponsored by Mr. and Mrs. Elisha Atias in memory of his father, Mr. Shalom Atias, Yichonoi Bracha Ben Rina, Tinaf Shotru Rabbi Tzora Hayim. In the words of Torah that we say this evening, Bilulu Nishmato, Mez Neshama, rise high up, right to the Kisei Kavod, Bezrat Hashem. Rabbi Dr. Norman Lamb was a scholar, an academic administrator, a prolific author, and Jewish community leader. He was the third president of Yeshiva University, and uh, later he was chancellor in the Yeshiva University until the year 2013. He wrote countless books on Jewish thought, Torah and Mada, more, uh, more specifically, and one of the most respected rabbis of the last generation. Unfortunately, he died this past May, May 31st, 2020, and was eulogized by Tamidei Chachamim around the world. He had such uh, brilliant knowledge and was able to formulate his words in ways that his drashot became world-renowned. People would come from all over to hear him, and he even made his drashot public. I came across an idea that he wrote in 1965, a long time ago, uh, and this this idea resonated with me because there are messages that pertain a lot to our generation today. Uh, and, and incredibly, so many years ago, uh, something that's so powerful. What is the shofar? This is the the item that is is represents the holiday of Rosh Hashanah. What does it symbolize? So there is a famous mashal that was explained by or given by the great Hasidic master, Rav Levi Yitzhak of Bardichev. And in that parable, as beautiful as it's simple, he explains what the shofar represents. And Rabbi Lam takes this mashal and through it applies so many messages for us. And tonight, that's what I want to do. I want to share the ideas that he said so many years ago and bring it to the forefront. Let us think, let us contemplate, let us absorb what he was trying to say. And hopefully, Bezlat Hashem, we walk out of here tonight, different people, because that's what we need to be, different people getting ready to start the new year. What is this mashal that Rav Levi Yitzhami Bardichev said? He says there was once a king who went to a great forest to hunt, to explore. After a while, the king discovered that he was lost, and he noticed in the forest there were a number of peasants uh, you know, people that live among the trees with the animals. But none of them really recognized him as the king or could tell him how to go back home. Close to the point of despair, not sure what he was going to do next, the king suddenly chanced upon another villager. But this villager was more wise and more sensitive than the others. And he recognized that this man is someone important. And then after 
you know, close investigation, he realized this is indeed the king. And he was overcome with a tremendous amount of reverence and fear for him. And when the king asked him to show him the way of the highway so he can go back home, the wise peasant revealed that he was not like his fellow peasants. And not only did he show him the right way where the highway was, but he took him by hand and accompanied him to his palace, to his very own throne room. And the king was so grateful to the villager that he also recognized that this wasn't just a normal peasant. This wasn't a normal villager. It was a man of great wisdom, man of great understanding. And therefore, he appointed him as one of his ministers. In the course of time, this man became the chief minister. And the king ordered that this peasant remove the clothing of the villagers from him and put it into storage. And instead, he dressed him in clothing that befits a royal minister to stand in the presence of the king in the royal palace. But it happened that after some years, this wise villager, now the prime minister, he sinned. He sinned against the king. He betrayed him. And the king was filled with anger, wrath, and he commanded his guards to put the prime minister on trial for treason. You can imagine this minister was sorely troubled. He knew that he was guilty and he sinned against the king and he knew this also meant the end of his life. So he appealed to the king, crying in front of him with bitter tears. And he asked for one thing, that before the verdict is issued, that the king grant him one request, that when he appears before the king on the day of his trial, that he's not dressed as the royal minister, the royal prime minister, but rather be dressed in the same garments which he wore when the king first met him and was saved by him. And so it happened that when the king was about to issue his decision, he saw his prime minister standing before him dressed in garments of a wise peasant, but the same wise peasant who saved his life. And the king suddenly remembered the graciousness and the kindness, the reverence and the respect that the villager had shown him. And he recalled that not only at that time so many years ago did he recognize the king, and not only had he told him where to find the highway to get back home, but that he had personally taken him by hand and led him to his palace, to his royal throne. At that moment, the king was filled with compassion, with mercy, and he forgave the villager. He pardoned him and allowed him to resume his royal duties as his prime minister once again. This, the rabbi of Berdichev, of Levi Yitzhak Mibardichev said, this is the meaning of the shofar on Rosh Hashanah. God is the king. The other nations of the world are the other peasants, the other villagers. Yisrael, the Jewish people, is the wise villager. And the shofar is the old garment, the old piece of clothing. Rosh Hashanah is the day of the trial. The Gemara teaches 
that HaKadosh Baruch Hu offered the Torah to every people and every nation, asking them, are you going to accept this Torah? But they all refused. Each nation found some pretext for declining it. And like the king in the story, God was, as it were, lost in the forest. He was lost in the forest of mankind, with none who knew the right way, with no one who was willing to place God on his throne, to declare him the rightful king, Melech Malchea Melachim, sovereign of the universe. And then he offered the Torah to Bnei Israel. And we, the Jewish people, despite the fact that we also were spiritually low, we were wise, and we were sensitive to acknowledge the great God, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who approached us. And in reverence, and in Yirah, in Pachad, respect, and also Besimcha, Uftuv Levav, with joy and gladness, we proclaimed him as our God. We said, We will obey and we will understand. And it was that sound of the shofar on Har Sinai, we declared him king over ourselves and over the world and adopted his Torah as our way of life, almost like our constitution. And so God chose us he made us the prime minister of the universe. We are the rep- his representatives. We are his chosen people, his elected nation. But we were foolish and we strayed from the right path. We were not loyal to our king. We sinned. We forgot God. We betrayed him. And now... We are brought to trial for treason. Rosh Hashanah is Yom Hadin, the day of judgment. And we are frightened as we stand before the heavenly court. Because we know that if we are to be judged strictly, then the verdict is disastrous. So therefore, on this day of Rosh Hashanah, before the judgment is given, we bring out a symbol of our past, which Hashem will recognize. What is that symbol? The shofar. We sound the shofar. The equivalent of the clothing of that peasant, of that villager. Because it was the shofar that was heard on Har Sinai when God gave the Torah to Bnei Israel and, and we proclaimed him king of the universe. The shofar is what recalls to HaKadosh Baruch Hu the fact that no other nation was willing to even listen to him or his Torah. It was us who proclaimed Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. And therefore when God takes notice of the shofar, he remembers his people. He remembers Bnei Israel. He recalls the tenderness and the sensitivity and the zechuyot that we had. And instead of declaring us Guilty, he pardons us and he decrees us a new life of Bediut, a new life of Shalom and Beracha. And this, Rabotai, is the beautiful, heartwarming parable related by Rav Levi Yitzhami Bardichov. But at the risk of 
detracting from its charm and its simplicity. Rabbi Lam, Zichronol Livracha, goes a lot deeper. And he analyzes this, and it makes you think a little bit of what is really happening behind this episode with the peasant and the king. Granted, the king felt moved to forgive his minister when he saw uh, him dress in his old clothing, and he remembered the token of kindness that took place years back when he was lost in the forest. But the question that Rabbi Lam asks is, what of the wise man, the villager, the peasant, or Bnei Israel, the one-time peasant who was raised by the king to a noble rank to be prime minister, how did he feel? How did he react inwardly of his own dramatic endeavor, on his change? What did he experience in the depths of his own soul when he produced this old garment, this old cloak in front of the king? Remember that according to the parable of Rav Levi Yitzhami Bardichev, the minister is a, is a fundamentally sensitive man. He's a good man. He's a wise man who was suddenly elevated to this level and then he went astray. So there's no doubt that the effect upon him, although unintentionally, was as powerful as the impression that he sought to make upon the king. So it must be that when he produced these old garments on the day of his judgment, and he noticed how different they actually were from the royal uniform that he was wearing until now, that that startled him. It shocked him. And he said to himself, how poor I once was, and how influential I became. And yes, how wise I once was, and how foolish I have become. And at that time, poor, unknown person lost in the forest, I was still wise enough to recognize that the king was there. And I expressed my loyalty to him. And I grabbed his hand and I led him to his throne. And now he elevated me as a result. And he bestowed upon me all the kindnesses in the world, all the blessing in the world. I have become an ingrate. I have turned disloyal. I have betrayed the man that is responsible for my good fortune. How I despise myself. How ashamed am I of myself. Rabbi Lamb suggests that it's these thoughts that the shofar ought to inspire within us. And only then will the experience of the shofar, the hearing of the shofar, remain meaningful for us for the entire year. True, it's a symbol for God, but it should be even more a symbol to us. It needs to arouse us from our sleep, from our spiritual slumber, to remind us how foolish we have become. In fact, this is how the Rambam interprets the shofar, that it's a symbol for the person who is sleeping to wake him up. Why are you sleeping? Wake up, hear the sound of the shofar. Rid yourself 
of the Havlezman, the vanities of times, the wasted times that takes place. How ashamed we ought to be. What has become of us? The people of the Torah, the, the ancient nation, who we are 3,000 years ago, we were able to hear the sound of the Shofar and Har Sinai, to walk out of that mountain a new people, a different people, a more spiritual people, to rise to the heights that no human being has ever reached, to receive the Torah and proclaim that there is only one God, Hashem Hu Elohim, Hashem Hu Elohim, the creator of the heaven and of the earth. The sound of the Shofar should remind us that we are the people of the Torah. We are labeled the people of the book by an Arab, actually, an Arab prophet. The people of the book. And so we have been known for all these years. But what has happened to the people of the book? What has happened to B'nai Israel? What happened at, since that moment which the Shofar was sounded in Har Sinai? We have not become the people of the book. We have become the people of bestsellers, the people of paperbacks, the people of movies, the people of Netflix, the people of internet, the people of television, not the people of the book, not the people of the holy books. How many sacred books does a Jew own in his library today? We know a holy book falls on the floor. We bend down quickly to go and kiss it. Ask yourself the question, how many books of those do you own? How many... Movies, DVDs, video games, do you have? More than the books? More than the holy books? In the great desert of Sinai, Midbar Sinai, HaKadosh Baruch Hu commanded us to build the Mishkan, a house of God. And to, to this Mishkan, the people of B'nai Israel streamed, line by line, coming in to bring their korbanot, accepting the offerings of the Hasidim, it was the center of the Jewish world. It was a center for teaching shalom, umishpat, peace and justice of all mankind. But yet, what do we do with our Mishkan? What do we do with our temples? How many of us pay attention to our house of God? How many of us pay attention to our Bet Knesset? How many of us think that when we come to synagogue, three, four, five times a year to visit, that we fulfilled our obligations? Why is it that we struggle to see people come and visit and partake in the tefillot so regularly? You know, we lost our Bet Knesset for three months. The world lost their Bet Knesset for three months. And now that we have it back, we still attend backyard minyanim. We're still going and praying on, on, in parking lots. The Bet Knesset is open. And you choose to pray in a backyard. You choose to pray in a tent. You choose to pray in a parking lot. What happened? People would cram to come to the Mishkan, to the Bet HaMikdash, to pay their service so many times. It was, it was a pleasure. And now, no, 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 I'm happy in my backyard. I'm happy in my, in my tent. And the Bet Knesset is left with half the normal attendance. How can it be? What's going on? We're the people of the book. At Har Sinai, we were also told, Uvotid Bakun. We were told to cleave to God. And the rabbis asked, Chachamim asked, How can you cleave to God? HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Eshel Chela. It's a consuming fire. You come close to God. You couldn't even touch Har Sinai. What does it mean, cleave to God? How can one attach himself to the infinite and holy God? HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the answer is, 
you cleave to HaKadosh Baruch Hu Dvekut by associating yourself with his representatives. By associating yourself with the Tamidei Chachamim, the scholars and people of intellect, of morality, of Derech Eretz, who study and practice the Word of God. The Jew is expected to express his commitment to the Tamidei Chachamim, his commitment to the people who represent God's Torah. And it should be pleasurable to be with them. We should look forward to be near the Tamidei Chachamim. There was a time where a young girl's highest ambition was to marry a Tamid Chacham. And a young man aspired to marry the daughter of a Tamid Chacham. Is that our aim today? No. That's not our aim today. Does not the, the Shofar not make us tremble? Does it make us shake how our values have degenerated, how our standards have fallen? Instead of seeking the company of the Tamidei Chachamim, we seek the favor of, the, of, 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 of people who, who waste time. Instead of Jewish scholars, Moshav Letim, Jewish snobs, whom do we try to emulate? The people of moral intellect and distinction or those who people who follow celebrities in Hollywood and read propaganda and all the, the, the crazy things. And that, that's, that's who we need to follow. Whom do the young men and the, the young ladies aspire to marry? Jewish, knowledgeable people from devout Jewish families? Or no, the best possible combination of glamour and wealth. Or God forbid, God forbid even outside the Jewish religion. The Shofar reminds us of the Ten Commandments. The Aseret HaDibrot that were given on Har Sinai. How have we fared 35 centuries later? Well, let's look. When, at the sound of Shofar on Har Sinai, we were given the Torah and we declared HaKadosh Baruch Hu as King of the world and therefore we became God's people, Asher Baharbanu, we were filled with thanksgiving. We were filled with thanks, with pride, that now we have a mission in the world. We are leaders. We are role models. How fortunate are the Jews are to be Jewish. One of the greatest blessings that we have, so great that we recite it every day, is Asher Bacharbanu Mikola Amim, that God chose us to be His people. And now, self-hating Jews. This is what we find. Self-hating Jews that cripple the Jewish spirit today. Universities, who with, with even small attempts from, from people to maybe... Give a little break for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Let's not schedule exams. Let's not schedule assignments. Let's just put a, a, a message of Shana Tova. It's the Jews themselves that go out and turn that down. No. Why should Jews be more privileged? Why should they have a, a, a break for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur? The Jews themselves. Jews in Hollywood. Anti-Zionist. Anti-Israel. This is what's happening today all over the place. It's been happening for a long time. And the universities removed the signs. Because if a Jew is telling me to remove the signs, then I should remove the signs. And if a Hollywood Jewish movie star is telling me that Israel shouldn't exist, then maybe Israel shouldn't exist. Look, your own people are saying it. What depths have we fallen to? This is, this is what happened. Har Sinai. We were so proud to be Jewish. What happened? Now we hide. 
Now we, we put our baseball caps. Let's not, let's not cause a tumult. Let's not go out there and, and make a scene. Let's just be private. We were commanded on Har Sinai, Honor your father and your mother. Do we really, really honor our parents? And again, I speak for myself in all of this. Do we really, really honor our parents and our grandparents? Do we call them enough? Do we visit them enough? Forget about Mother's Day. Forget about Father's Day. That's, that's, a, that's that, it's a social. That's just uh, marketing. But truly, do we seek to justify for two days a year, Mother's Day, Father's Day with a card? We can justify ignoring them the rest of the year. How many of us put our parents in homes for the age that didn't exist? The olden days, the parents were with the children till, till, till the day they passed. Today, it's like the biggest business in the world. Old age homes. Everyone's got old age homes. Is that what we want? Is that the proper respect? Are we, commend, are, are we commemorating their lives after their passing? How many people lose their parents and don't finish the year of Kaddish? Eh, seven days is enough. Must speak. Seven days. 30 days. Okay, fine. Sadiq, 30 days. To do a year? No, that's crazy. That's ridiculous. Can I pay somebody? Let me pay somebody. $200. $500. He's going to say Kaddish for me. The 60 years, the 60 plus years that your parents put into you and you can't give them 10 months of Kaddish. No, I'm going to go pay someone $500 and leave me alone. I want to go enjoy my vacation. This is what we're dealing with. Are we commemorating their lives the proper way? Are we sponsoring classes? Are you remembering them even after their death? We're commanded to observe the Shabbat on Har Sinai. Have we made Shabbat the Shabbat it's supposed to be? Or are we thinking about other things on Shabbat? About entertainment, hockey games, basketball games, conversations on the table that have nothing to do with the Parashat HaShavua. This is stuff we're all guilty of, Rabotai, including myself. We're all guilty of this. That's not what Shabbat's meant to be. The person who spends his day at work throughout the week, Shabbat is supposed to be his day to make up for the for the spiritual the spiritual aspect, the limut Torah that he that he missed out on that week. You had to make a parnasah chazaku baruch. You didn't have a chance to learn more, but you got to come on Shabbat and learn. You have a long afternoon. Why are you sleeping six hours for? You have such a long afternoon. You can't devote something to to, to reading some teilim. To reading a commentary, read the Parashat Shavua with Rashi. Is, is it that hard? Is it so impossible with all the resources in English and Spanish and French that we have available to us? Is it so difficult? This was Shabbat that was commanded to us on Har Sinai with the sound of the Shofar. We've abandoned its Kedushah. We've abandoned its holiness. We were commanded not to be false witnesses. Atem Adai. You, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, you are my witnesses here on Har Sinai. Have we testified God's presence in the world? Do we not bear false witness when we disregard our kashrut, when we deny our children Jewish education? It's not important to teach our kids Jewish education. You don't need to learn Torah. doesn't matter. I'm going to send him to a Jewish camp. I'm going to give him two months where they're going to sit down in circles and they're going to be spiritually uplifted and that's fine, but they don't need to learn other than that. 
or or I'm going to teach them up to a certain age, grade three, grade four. After that, six, seven years old, out the door. I know that's it. That's plenty Jewish education for you. Is that not being false witness? Where is the testimony? Where is the testimony that happened on Har Sinai? We are ashamed of our Jewishness. When we go out and travel, I don't want anybody to know that I'm Jewish. No, 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 no. That's not for people to know. We were told not to lust. Not to covet. The shofar reminds us how we have fared in this regard. We do whatever we can to outdo our neighbors. We live in a state of constant tension, misery, depression. Why? Because we're not as wealthy, because we're not as influential, we're not as powerful, we're not as socially acceptable as my next door neighbor, as the person across the street. And it ruins us. This is what the shofar has to mean to us. A study of something what we once were and what has become of us now. Yes, at times you have to say to yourself, it's a shame. It is an embarrassment. It's a failure. How we have disappointed, how we have betrayed HaKadosh Baruch Hu with who we formed that bond, that, that friendship, that loyalty at Har Sinai with the sound of the shofar. I took his hand and I walked him to the throne. The king in the mashal, the king in the parable was not a sentimental old man. He was a wise sovereign. He was an understanding individual. He knew that the peasant wanted to impress him. And in the process, he was moved even more as a result. He knew that the symbol which aroused him was stirred, subject to the feelings of regret that took place afterwards when the man betrayed him. And so it is with the shofar. We sound the shofar to remind HaKadosh Baruch Hu of our ancient friendship that started on Har Sinai. But God, Rabotai, doesn't need the reminder. We need the reminder. B'nai Israel needs to wake up from the sleep. When we sound the shofar, the same shofar that accompanied our coronation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu at Har Sinai, the symbol of Jewish destiny and holiness, we agonize within. It pains us within. We feel the sharp edge of our spiritual failure. And it's that embarrassment, it's that busha, that awareness that there's a gap between our potential and the reality that is current, the ideal and the real, that's the context where Teshuvah arises from. That's why the repentance appeals so much to God. And that's the real reason why He has so much compassion and love for us on Yom Hadin, because we realize that. It's the sound of the shofar that says, Hey, I'm missing here. This is where I once was. This is where I am now. What happened? I once led the king. I showed him the road. I coronated him. I was blessed as a result with an amazing life of so much good. And then I betrayed him. And now I'm back in these garments. 
and I need to hear the sound of the shofar. The shofar, Rabotai, is our wordless prayer to God to remember our love of Him. This token, this symbol is effective in stirring HaKadosh Baruch Hu's compassion for this coming year only if we allow it to stir our feelings inside, our inward feelings, our emotions, our neshama has to be stirred. When we turn with regret to view our past year with Teshuvah and determine, I am going to be Lashuv El HaKadosh Baruch Hu and, and actually say, I'm never going to betray him again, then the shofar will remind the Almighty HaKadosh Baruch Hu the King of the Universe, that we are indeed Asher Bacharbanu Mikol Amim. We are His beloved people. And that spirit, Bezrat Hashem, I give a beracha to all of you. May HaKadosh Baruch Hu grant us, all of Bnei Israel and all of the world, a year of lasting peace, a year of Beriut, health, Simcha, happiness, a year of pride in our Jewishness, a year without shame, without embarrassment, a year filled with joy and gladness, a year where we are proud to take God's hand and walk with Him wherever we go, because that's what we need to focus on. And when we do that, only good can come out. It has been a difficult year, nonetheless, we know that. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we have the faith in Him that He can turn the tides, He can make it from a year of Yagon to Simcha, all we have to do, do is go get back on the highway and then we will wear the royal clothes once again, standing with him near his holy throne. Wishing you all a ketiva v'chatima tova, shana tova umtuka lachem, uchol am Yisrael. Amen. Mm.